Welcome to a live and active life, broadcasting encouragement to live your daily life with God's help and inspiration to reach for more of God by faith. Join Brenda Wolf for today's practical insights. Have you ever wondered what the worst sin is? Most people have some kind of sin list of really bad sins. Some folks have a list of more permissible sins. I guess the question that matters most is, does God have a sin list? If we were to gather up a list of what each person on the globe thinks should be on a sin list, we would have a very interesting document. The data might vary from culture to culture, but there would likely be some common worst sins. People fall in a different place when it comes to sins. Some abhor the very idea of being on a sin list, and they come up with all kinds of justifications why they couldn't possibly be on any list. That is a kind of pride with fingers of insecurity. Other people know that it's absurd to claim not sinning, but they take things to the opposite extreme, and they confess to almost every shortcoming imaginable. That is sometimes a kind of insecurity with threads of subtle pride. Still others deny that there's any sin list at all, and you know what? That's just arrogance. There is a helpful way to look at a sin list, and it's God's way. He never exaggerates, nor is He rude or blame-placing. God doesn't even track sins, although He is very aware of every single sin. It is safe to say a couple of things about God and sin. I'm going to give you a list of ten things. First of all, Sin was never supposed to be. It was not God's original design. Second, God hates, He abhors sin. Why? Well, because it separates His beloved children from Himself and all the good that He has for them. Third, God deeply loves all sinners with everlasting love. Four, Every person who has ever lived is a sinner, except Jesus. And that includes you and me. Five, Christ died for all sinners. He took the punishment into His own humanity and took it away from us. Six, Jesus offers eternal life as a free gift in exchange for sinners giving their sin list to Him. Wow, what a trade. 7. Every person who gives their life to Jesus is made holy. 8. Holy people are busy changing the world. 9. Jesus will return, and it could be soon. He will take every believer to their forever home of discovery and joy. And number 10, sinners who reject Jesus' sacrifice, they actually condemn themselves. They will have made a decision to stay far from Christ forever, which we could call hell. 
There is a hefty list of sins in 2 Timothy, 3rd chapter, verses 1 through 9. The passage starts by claiming that there will be all kinds of trouble in the last days. It closes by saying that people will oppose truth. They will be corrupt in their minds. They will be disqualified in their faith and not get very far in their folly. Sound anything like today? The middle section of the passage has a long list of sins, and here it is. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. They will be homebreakers, and they will always be learning, but never arriving at a knowledge of the truth. Oh, wow. What a list. So I ask you again, any of that sound like anything today? If you managed to listen through that list unscathed, then you're a better person than me and everyone else. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. A sin list represents something. It represents humanity in its fallen state. It is a peek into what terrible times will be like in the last days before Jesus returns, and it represents what is going on in our world today. So, what would a reasonable conclusion be? Well, we could very well be living in the last days. It could be that time is short. That's what Scripture says. Sins on God's list cause relationship problems. They cause moral issues, awkward tangles, and they make life a very bumpy ride. Each sin adds to a turned-upside-down world. Loving pleasure more than loving God makes a self-driven world. We surely need Jesus to point us back to what humanity was designed to be. And you know what? You can be the very person that God created you to be. Well, let's look at which sin on that list is the worst Well, since God has not declared one sin worse than others, no human can really make that determination either. God does, however, list one command, the first in the Ten Commandments. That's significant. He says, You shall not have any other gods before me, from Exodus 20, verse 3. And then when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment is, he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And that's from Matthew 22, 36-38. Clearly, having anything 
in your life that comes before loving God violates this great and first command. So that's what God says about it. Really, though, sin is sin to God. And Jesus died for all sin. I would like to suggest one sin, though, that is very serious, specifically for God's people. This sin is in the list we just went through. It not only works against God's great and first command, which He did speak very clearly about, it also puts forth a path of the very cycles that trap Christians into patterns and habits of deception, justification, and hypocrisy. That sin is having a form of godliness but denying its power. Why is that one so serious? Well, having a form of godliness but denying its power sets a person up to fail. That sounds serious. Who wants that? Further, it makes a child of God to be a fake, a shell, a robot, a hypocrite, a Pharisee. Do you know anyone whose dream is to be like that? Perhaps not. Still, pretending to be someone but denying the very essence of all that makes you that person is a serious misrepresentation and a terrible loss. That's why Christ's claims are so critical and powerful. For a believer in Jesus to claim to be godly, but to deny the power of God to make them godly, well, that's completely illogical. Claiming godliness with no power leaves a person depraved and living in conflict. Denying God's power to completely do a good work, a work that He begins in your heart. When we deny that power, we make God out to be a liar. Philippians 1.6 says that God is always working a good work in His children. Further, You will never love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, or your neighbor, if you claim godliness that has no power. Isn't that, though, what many church-going believers are doing today? And since loving God and loving others are the first and second greatest commands, refusing to adopt the power in them creates a barrier to knowing God and to being godly. It's a hopeless circle. But what if there is power in godliness? What if everything that God says He will do is dependable? What if the power that raised Jesus from the dead can transform your life and empower you to help change the world? Maybe. It's the real deal. Why not throw your lot into believing God? Adopt a perspective that He is the power that makes you genuine. He connects you to the real you and will finish the work that He started in you if you stop denying His power and start living in it. Why not proclaim the all-powerful God who holds all things together, including your life each day. Look at Colossians 1.17 for more on that. 
You can deliberately choose to live inside God's love and goodness. Choosing is your willpower. Believing the power of Jesus Christ will change your life and give you a hope and a future. That's what Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says. Well, you know, there is a principle in Scripture, and that is that God gives you over. The Lord is faithful in every way. He will always forgive, heal, and rebuild if you repent. God honors the person who responds to Him. He is also faithful to follow through with consequences for unfaithfulness, including punishment, like any good parent. The Sovereign Lord gives you over to what you pursue with your will. If you refuse His love, He gives you over to that choice. If you refuse to respond to His corrections, He allows consequences that break your life and His heart. After all, He died so that those things would not happen. If you choose to believe and live in God's love and His commands, however, He gives you over to every promise fulfilled. Galatians 6-7 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. God keeps His word. Colossians 2 verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through the hollow and the deceptive philosophy which depends on human traditions and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. I have five application questions from this episode today to put before you. First of all, do you believe that God has power to do anything? Second, have you resolved to believe that He answers prayers, your prayers? Third, do you know that God loves you and is eager to finish the good work that He began in you? Fourth, what is keeping you from living inside God's power? And fifth, God loves you and He wants you to succeed. Don't you want to succeed? Don't you believe that God can do anything? Yes, God, who has a sin list, wants to give you an alive and active life. This episode comes from 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 9, and from Day 33 of Despicable We, Daily Studies in Ezekiel. It's a book that is overflowing with hope and helpful tips for living in a world with a long sin list. Check it out in our bookstore and have a great week. You've been listening to Brenda Wolf with Alive and Active Life. Visit our website at www.aliveandactivelife.org. Your web-based home for resources including books and ebooks, libraries of articles, podcasts, shareable images, and more as you navigate life's challenges and issues. Sign up on our email list to stay current with the tools you need to be the person God designed, living an alive and active life.